0: I'm trying to think of the words. It's almost like contentment versus absolute joy, <laughs> right? <laughs> both both are okay. Both are okay. Um, but, you know, if you're not living your life in a way that's really true to yourself, then I feel like you're almost not really living your life to the fullest extent. Um, and there was a part of me that I feel like I kind of had to sh- turn on and turn off. And now I'm able to live that to the fullest because... There are different things that I'm, I'm engaged in that help to kind of scratch all those various itches.
1: That's Ariana Robinson-Dankwa, and I'm Brian Felchuk, The Do A Day Podcast, where you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do a Day podcast. Today, I've got Ariana Robinson Dankwa. She is a mother of two young boys, both under two years old. That is a full time job, and I think that counts as going to the gym as well. But she doesn't just stop there. She's also a wife. She's a full time working professional in the HR space, and she's a president and founder of a nonprofit. Called Workplace Lab. It's a Houston based 501c3 that focuses on building employee empowerment and engagement. And it's unique because it really focuses on that sort of middle level employee. And I think those are the people who get forgotten the most, not the entry level folks who, you know, we just bring them on new and and want to invest in them and, and build their future, and not the senior people who seem to get all the attention, but the ones in the middle who, of course, are the ones who would be the next level senior people Um, so she's very focused on that population and trying to help them find their way through their employment through their lives with practical advice with guidance Um, she's just she's very committed to helping grow the future population of leadership in this country which is pretty cool Uh, she's got several years of experience in human resource management industry and business diversity and inclusion She gets psychology research, um, and she's really, she's very dedicated to the space, and I think you'll hear that. So this is someone who had such a full plate, you know, it was like spilling over onto the table on the floor, but she saw a strong enough need that she wasn't content to just let her busyness stand in the way. She's dedicated herself to better for others anyway. So with that, let me jump into the episode and welcome Ariana to the show and let her share a bit of what inspired her. To help others further their careers. Ariana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: It's my pleasure, Brian. I'm really excited to talk to you today.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's I feel like this show is only for people whose shows I've been on because I keep saying the same thing. I'm like, well, I was on their show and it was awesome but I was on your show and it was awesome. And it was, I mean, the show itself was great, but um we talked a bit outside of the show and that's where I was just like, what this woman is doing is it's like, it, there's so much value in that because no one cares about this space. Like no one, at least that I had seen and I've been watching it because I needed help for that in, in my, not just my own career, but for people who work for me where I was like, who's helping, you know, the sort of, the, the not brand newbies and the not senior executive people, like who's working on the development of this group in the middle and the support of them. And so I, I loved the mission that you were on. So, um, before I give any more of it away, tell us about what you're doing <laughs> with Workplace Lab and I, and then I won't steal any more thunder.
0: No, no, no. I, I really appreciate your comments. And truly, it's been a passion project for me. So, um, you know, you've alluded to it already, but really Workplace Lab is um, a, my baby, my third baby, really. I've got t- two little ones. And Workplace Lab is a 501c3 nonprofit that um, is based here in Houston, where I live. And we really are focusing on building employee empowerment and engagement across all layers. Um, so even... Um, I guess most of what we're doing with our podcast and our blog is really focused on people who are probably mid to early career and uh, mid-level managers and uh, people who are just kind of trying to climb the ladder on up. Um, We're starting to look closer into having engagements um, even at the collegiate level now too, um, almost helping people arm themselves with information before they almost need it if I could say it that way. But really the podcast is, is our bread and butter at the moment and it's geared towards asking, answering rather, um, people's dilemmas um, in the workplace. So we've talked about a range of topics, and you can find the podcast now. It gets released weekly on Sundays, and we talk about everything from interpersonal conflict in the office, having difficult conversations in the office, how do you build trust, um, team effectiveness, bullying, work-life balance, mental health. Um, It really has run the gamut, and I'm just enjoying every minute of it, and it is so fun to talk to people like yourself and also to answer people's questions. So we do that interchangeably um, on a weekly basis, as I mentioned. So that's a bit about Workplace Lab.
1: So that's that's good to understand what Workplace Lab is. The bigger question is, how did Workplace Lab become in the first mm. place? So what brought you to yeah. that?
0: That's an excellent question. So I am a mother. I am a wife. I am a full-time... HR professional, and in all of these pursuits, I get asked a lot of questions, a barrage of questions, if you if you will, and um, I think in my work life it has it was the most prominent, how many questions I get asked and how little information I felt like people really were armed with to make informed decisions about their career, about what they want out of their career and how they should proceed um, to getting what they want in their career. And it's really that, that galvanized me to launch Workplace Lab. And so we answer the most basic of questions as, as you can imagine, you know, uh, how do I map and and plan for the career that I want to have? How do I change courses in in the career that I've had and and maybe I'm not happy with? How do I navigate with grace um, in a workplace that I feel may be toxic? I mean, really all of those things I think people have so little credible knowledge about or at least sources of information that they can go to. Um, You know, we're particularly targeting individuals who might have a lack of HR presence um, at their workplace or they aren't necessarily sure if HR really has their back or play heavily in that employee advocacy space. Um, and so that, that's what has made it so powerful is, you you know, you're getting questions from people who feel as if they really don't have a credible person that they can ask these questions to, or they don't feel like, Oh, well I've just kind of got maybe one or two questions. Not sure if it's, if it's, um, enough to come to like a life coach or a career coach or career consultant with, um, but I really need answers to this stuff. So what should I do? You know?
1: Well, and for the people that you're talking about serving, they don't necessarily, even if they had enough to go to one of those people, they don't necessarily have the means to go to one of those people. You got it. it. It's, you know, being someone in that space and, and having had the benefit of using people in that space in the past throughout my career. Um, it's really expensive. And actually, there's a ton out there that are great. And there's plenty that aren't as great. And they some that may be good, but not necessarily good for you. Mm -hmm. And so you can you can blow through some cash without necessarily being any better off. So you're coming, you're coming in solving not just the educational need, but doing it for a population that probably couldn't consider those alternatives, even if you know, they had access to them.
0: Yeah. And that that's really one of the major reasons why we decided to found it as a nonprofit, truly and honestly, is gosh, if you feel like you really don't have an um somebody to talk to or an ear to turn to, um, how are you gonna get access to this knowledge that I don't feel should be for the only only the the upper echelon for individuals who can afford it? And that that's that's the main that's the main point, Brian.
1: Yeah, and um diversity and inclusion gets a lot of focus in the media these days, whether it gets a lot of focus in a real way in companies is a different story. And one of the key problems, diversity piece seems to get the most attention. I think inclusion is just people don't even understand what to do with that. But it's like diversity is worthless. If you're not including those diverse people, because then you're just ticking boxes for what percentage of The population of this kind of person or that kind of person you brought in, but then you just did nothing for them and they sort of withered and died on the vine because you never, you never brought them along. Well, if they've come in and they feel unrepresented, unsupported, unsafe to turn to someone for help, then you've got a serious problem. And that, that's where HR should be able to help with that. But I've been in organizations, luckily not the one that I'm in right now. But I've been in organizations where if you go to HR, as great as they seem, you're going to end up probably out of a job, if you've been honest, because it's going to get back to the manager and politics are too strong and you'll be gone.
0: Yeah, and that, that hurts my feelings, honestly, that individuals are living and breathing in those situations as we speak today. I mean. D&I is something that I I've lived and I've breathed as a woman of color. Um certainly it's it's tangible to who I am and how I present myself to the world. But even growing up, um it's it's been interesting and and you could say well every person of color, you know, diversity means something to them. I'm sure that's true. Um but there there's a little bit of an extra layer to it to me that's that goes beyond, you know, skin deep and that's how do you feel included no matter where you're showing up? And some of that is how you know your confidence and how you show up and and how are you, are you happy with with yourself but really there's i think a a deeper layer there and as i think about even growing up and moving around in different and different crowds um so again a woman of color here um having having to go between groups of friends whether they were my white girlfriends or my hispanic girlfriends or my black girlfriends none of them mixed together and i was mm. never quite enough for any of them. Right. So, um, you know, my vocab was a little bit weird to the black girls and the Hispanic girls were like, Oh, you're too crazy for us. You know, what are you even talking about? And then the white girls would be like, Oh, ha ha ha. You know, and they didn't really, it it was just, I never really felt like I belonged anywhere, but I was Mm -hmm. in a diverse school. I had, um, a diverse, I grew up in a very diverse community. Um, and I, I, I moved around the country getting my education and everywhere I went, I always felt like, is, is now going to be the time that I feel included. Um, and it was, it was getting to corporate America that surprisingly made me feel like, huh, okay, this is feeling a little bit better. You know, I feel like I can kind of flex and be a bit more of myself and now growing more and more into the professional that I am. And thankfully I work for an organization that does really try to embody the inclusion piece um it's interesting because it it, diff- it differs from day to day right it shows up in different ways for different people and sometimes i might have people come and visit me who are who are saying gosh you know this has been my journey and while i love working here the boss that I'm working for, you know, I really don't think that it's, it's working out well. And I really do try to um, mediate those kinds of conversations as opposed to, um, you know, turn the situation back on the employee. Because I think that you showing up, you're asking the questions, you're presenting yourself in a vulnerable way, trying to ask somebody who you think is in a position of credibility, your HR professional. And then you're just, it's getting turned back around to you in a way that's, almost malicious and that that's what hurts my feelings right is you know people all have different journeys whether you're um a white jewish guy living in suburban america what are you or... talking about <laughs> yeah not pointing fingers um you know or a 30 something uh you know black woman living in texas it's it, it really runs the gamut but i think um i think it's it's now's the time for those safe spaces and whether it's an hr person or whether it's a podcast or whether it's a one on one um environment that you you might have access to I think now's the time. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that as that guy so so tangibly with the hashtag Me Too movement, Um, you know, the resignations left and right in the political sector and in the entertainment industry and in uh, corporate America around individuals who've for far too long not walked the talk that they have been illustrating. Um, They've purported to be diverse and inclusive. And now we're seeing... Uh, very tangibly that that's not necessarily the case. And for a population at, you know, women outnumber men two to one last time I checked. So you'd think that we'd have made quite a bit of headway by now, but, but anyway, I feel like I'm drifting. Um, but back to what you were saying around inclusion, I think it's, it's a powerful, um, it's a powerful piece that all too often, you know, goes missing. Um, when, yeah, organizations especially at the organizational level and if you are in the u.s listening to this then of course you know that there are there are uh, metrics and um there are always things that are being uh, you know accounted for in that space and so organizations are always trying to be more diverse whether it's on the gender in the gender space whether it's of the people of color space whether it's veterans um people with disabilities, everything, all of those things are always being tracked and monitored. But the point is not to tick a box and to uh, create quotas, but really, what do you do when you have all these diverse individuals showing up at work? And how do you make sure that they can be their best selves at work and show up and feel like they can contribute no matter what?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's great to hear that you're at a place that does feel that way. And you also recognize how many don't. Um, what I want to understand is, so we get what Workplace Lab is, what, what set, not just what brought that about, but what set you into the path that brought it about me? I don't know if it ties to, you know, you're talking about fitting in or not fitting in and, and that path, but what, what's, what's the story with you that led you to doing this? Maybe getting into HR in the first place, but certainly to, to building Workplace Lab.
0: Sure. No, that's a great question. So I was always that friend or that girlfriend who everybody would say, you know, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm doing something or if I'm reading this situation, right, can I just talk to you <laughs> ever since I was little, I'd be that. So person. you were
1: an HR advisor from birth, basically.
0: <laughs> Probably late toddler years. Yeah. Um, know, very early in my childhood. I just remember being that ear that people would kind of pull on to say, am I missing something here? And I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg. Right. But for some reason that being acting in that capacity for so many years kind of honed this this skill set, if you will. And I remember getting into university and feeling like, oh, OK, this is cool, you know, because I kind of breezed through elementary school, high school, that kind of thing. And I was waiting to be challenged. And then I got to college and I thought, well, maybe these, this is this is going to be the challenging bit for me. And I actually studied psychology because I had such a interest around the human psyche and why do people do what they do? And is there some code that can be cracked? Right. Um, no, there isn't, by the way. But it's good to know. You know <laughs> right. As you very well know, Brian, um, in your capacity <laughs> in insurance too, right? It, there's no special code or secret sauce to, that makes people do what they do. But interestingly enough, as I studied more and more about psychology, I just wondered, gosh, how are, you know there's a lot of crazy people out there, so I probably don't want to be a therapist um, or a psycho, you know, psychoanalyst or anything like that because I my patients would be very little to listen to people whine and moan and complain, um, and they need they need they need a sensitive ear for that for sure. Um, but as I learned more about business and and what what it takes for people to be successful in the business sector, I kind of honed and melded a lot of my studies to be around HR and entrepreneurship and leadership more specifically. And it was there that I kind of realized, hmm, this seems like, this seems like an interesting topic. So, so, People have a lot of psychoses and idiosyncrasies, and those don't just fall away when they go to work um so who's who's tackling that and the best answer that i could that I could get in uh, in college was h r um, and so that's really what uh, galvanized me to study that and I got my master's degree um, specifically in h r and, and did a tremendous amount of research both in the DNI space and also the leadership and team effectiveness space I And mean, that's kind of crafted uh who who it is that I am today as a professional but more to the point, um, as I grew and learned and had different experiences in corporate America and worked and traveled um, here in the states and in, in the region and also overseas. I spent some time in Asia working as well I just I was just so fascinated I just felt like man, I feel like there's more that I can be doing with what it is that i I'm passionate about right so yeah, I have a demanding job and um, I enjoy what I do but I don't feel like it's it's enough. Am I servicing enough people? Is my footprint um, really making a difference? Am I leaving the kind of legacy? And this this is the sort of thinking that came in when I had kids. Am I leaving the sort of legacy that my kids would be proud of, right? And so there's nothing wrong with with working a nine to five and um, making ends meet or maybe a little bit better than ends meet. Um, but I just felt like, gosh, there's something more I feel like I should be doing. And, uh, and honestly, my husband, who's a saint, he sat down with me and he was just like, I can tell you're kind of restless. What's going on? And we talked about, I think we talked for about two hours. So he's a professor. So he literally pulled out the whiteboard. And st- as I was t- talking, he started to to write down some of the salient points, some of the some of the headline details of what I was saying and what I wanted to do. And he said, you know, it seems like there's an opportunity here. I think there's an opportunity for you to help people outside of your immediate locus of control, outside of your immediate client group at the organization that you're in. And, you know... I want to help you do that. And so over the course of a few weeks, we kind of spitballed and talked through some ways that would be something that I could that I could do that would be feasible alongside all the other commitments that I have. And, and that's how Workplace Lab came to be. It was just a conversation with my wonderful husband and I and just trying to figure out how can I do more? I feel like I'm not doing enough.
1: That, I mean, you know, because we've talked before, but that really resonates with me. That's the reason I wrote my book. This yes. sense of there's a need in, out there in the world, and belief that what you have to share and what you're passionate about matters to a broader population than you could ever touch otherwise. You know, even if even if you stayed at work 24 hours a day, and you know, we're just helping people right then and there, you're still in terms of that sense of purpose. And once you get that sense of purpose, it's really hard not to live in alignment with it. So yep. I I commend you for. You and, and your husband in the blackboard or whiteboard or whatever color board it was that you guys use. I don't know if there's chalk in the air or the smell of, of a uh, non, non toxic, you know, erasable marker. Eraser,
0: yeah. Yeah. But, um, we went to school now. All right.
1: But yeah, you know, just, uh, to, to recognize that and to push forward because we have these moments where we see opportunity. Or we feel challenged and we we have some sort of power coming out of it. And we can either recognize it and be like, oh, that was neat. And just sort of go right back to the the day in, day out. Like, so there's something wrong with it. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm drawing out those words because they don't sound very appealing. It's like, do you want to live your life in a way that's not very wrong or is mm-hmm. fine? Or you can grab hold of it and be like, no, this is something. And this is this is like this is in touch with my passion, so I can't let go of this thing. I have to do something with it. And you did what a lot of people don't do—you did grab hold of it. So when did this all happen?
0: I'm nodding emphatically, by the way. I, right. I just we can't hear it. It's on yeah.
1: mute. Yeah, the uh, the nodding's not picking up in the audience. <laughs>
0: it's on mute. That's right. <laughs> um, when did when did Workplace Lab come to be? When this was, was that
1: fateful night where you guys, uh, you know, were 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 spitballing the whole idea
0: yeah so it was late in 2016 and I was probably two or three months pregnant with our second child <laughs> thinking that's the perfect I don't feel time like I'm to doing be like <laughs> yeah
1: let let me reinvent myself right now
0: <laughs> I don't feel like I'm doing enough here I am um now with two very real human beings who depend on me for every everything every waking moment and uh no, I still feel very much committed to Workplace Lab, and um, so we've we've um, been going since the beginning of 2017, and we launched um, the podcast around March, and um, and came out with our 501c3 status, and took part in uh, Giving Tuesday last year, and have just been kind of gaining momentum ever since. Um, and so we've got a few things on the docket for this year that I'm re- also really excited about, um, but it's 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 just like you said before, it's. It's almost you put on a different pair of glasses once you understand that there's something more that you can be doing, and you hone into what that is. Yeah. It's like you really can't go back, you, you know. And so I'm a lifelong glasses wearer, and so I think, gosh, if I try to wear my prescription glasses from four or five years ago, I would, I, I shouldn't be behind the wheel, much less <laughs> doing anything, you know, of significance, right? So, it really, it's really changed my perspective on everything.
1: Yeah. What um. I was having a conversation with someone recently about this idea of, you know, pursuing what you care about and, and what you're passionate about and, and, uh, figuring out how to do that. And that once you break through and you start doing that, like I said, it's hard, it's hard not to, but it's also, um, it almost becomes easy is too strong of a word, but it's like the things you really wish for, or you wish you had start happening a lot easier. So like you start achieving, When I just feel like there's, once you bring that alignment, you start to realize a lot of the things that were just like, well, I could never do that. Have you found that like now that you've, you've broken through and you're doing something that you're so passionate about has more started to come into the picture?
0: What I, what I'll say, and I think it's, I think it's significant to what it is that you're saying is things have become more crystallized. And by that, I mean, things that I previously might have worried about, bothered myself about, or been worried about the perception of how it is that it looks about what I'm doing, I no longer care because I recognize that my priorities have shifted and I'm doing what it is that I'm meant to be doing. And so that's the one piece. The other piece is that um, I'm seeing a whole new world of possibilities as to how I can make this even more uh, impactful and empowering to individuals, right? So it started off as, as sort of a, I won't call it a small idea, but, uh, um, you know, kind of this nugget around how do I disseminate information that I think will be helpful to people and engage with them where they are, meet them where they are and give them advice that's going to be relevant for where they are today um, into, into things that I think would be much broader and much more impactful and also, um, you know, give me the opportunity to, to do more of what I love, which includes traveling, which includes um, you know, talking to people one on one, having deeper conversations. Um yeah, a lot a lot of different things are, are kind of in the pipeline.
1: So that's exciting. So that does sound like there's a, a catalyst effect, if you will, that like suddenly yeah. your your vision opens up, you see more possibility, you start to figure out the ways to seize it. Whereas you might've been fine before, but it wasn't about this sort of like one thing building to the next, to something bigger, to more achievement, to a, a richer life.
0: Exactly. Yes. It's like, I'm trying to think of the words. It's almost like contentment versus absolute joy, right?
1: Okay. Yeah. That's both, well put. Both
0: are okay. Both yeah. are okay. Yeah. Um but you know if you're not living your life in a way that's really true to yourself then i feel like you're almost not really living your life to the fullest extent um and there was a part of me that i feel like i kind of had to sh- turn on and turn off and now i'm able to live that to the fullest because there are different things that i'm i'm engaged in that help to kind of scratch all those various itches Perfect. and they're serving a purpose in a community right so yeah. even better
1: yeah yeah absolutely um I wanted to go back to something what like you mentioned a couple of times about, um, the kids and you've got a very full day job and now you add the third kid and we've heard about this amazing husband that you have, but he's not nothing. So there's at least, you know, six minutes a day or three minutes or whatever <laughs> it is that you at least need to wave hello to each other. Um, so how do you, how do you balance all those things? Because each one of them for different reasons and in different ways are two you know massive priorities majorly important you can't set them aside so how do you how do you balance them
0: so depending on the day the answer is i have no idea <laughs> So the grace of God is very much there. So I'm a believer. I have a real relationship with Christ and I need it probably every day. Um, but no, to be honest, it's it's really just helping myself to prioritize. My husband will admonish me um, often to say, are you sure that you need to be doing that right this moment or is this something that potentially can wait or is this something that you can outsource outsourcing is a powerful thing so i'll take a moment to just give this aside um again as a working mother you know i there was things that i felt like gosh to be the wife and the mother that i thought i needed to be when i was growing up and sort of you know you idolize um others in that space before you get there and you completely fill those shoes and you say, well, this is what I think a wife and mother is meant to be. Now that I'm in those shoes and I'm completely, you know, sitting here wondering how are things going to get done? There are certain things that I should not be doing. And it's really, I'll say it this way, they're below my pay grade in the sense that I'd much rather pay somebody to do certain things that take time and energy away from things that only I know that I can be doing. Um, and so, Really, when it comes to whether it's cleaning the house or getting the car washed or mowing the lawn, there's certain things where I'm just like, this is not something that I'm I can feasibly do. I'd much rather outsource it and spend a few extra moments with my family yeah. or a few extra moments, you know, um, preparing for the podcast or preparing for an interview or doing something for the blog, um, because I know that that's only something that I can do. Whereas the other things, there are a number of people that that can do that. No knock to them. We need them. I need them. Yeah. Um, but really, there's things that we as individuals really need to be focusing in on and prioritizing our time to do and that 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 it goes for every part of our lives right And i know you you live and breathe that as well brian so um that that's probably my biggest pearl of wisdom takeaway after um you know a solid year of of juggling all of these um, commitments and these demands is really prioritizing making the best use of the time that you have um working non-traditional hours right non-traditional hours maybe to um people but it could be very traditional hours for yourself. You know, when are you um, going to be the most productive? That might not be the traditional nine to five. And that not that's not always true uh, for a lot of individuals. And so optimizing the pockets of time when I know that I'm going to be at my best. Um, and that's both on the personal side and the professional side.
1: Yeah, and it seems like obviously there's a, a financial component to how much we outsource or, you know, allow others to do for us because you know you can't afford it you can't afford it and there may still be ways to do it but generally you know if you if you don't have the money that's not an option but I, it feels like in a lot of cases you could find a way to do it but for the judgment and that that extends beyond the financial side too whether it's a time thing is like you know you need to take the time for yourself to do xyz so like, no, you know but I can't because of all these other things and so I can't make the time for it and the, you know like you could you're choosing not to find a way to make it happen. you could let someone mow your lawn or clean your house or you know whatever outsource thing that that you choose to do, but you'll feel like you're not living up to some standard, or what if someone found out, or you know it's like we we put values non financial values on the perceptions out there, and actually it's probably just us perceiving it, so you'd mentioned um, the, the role model of what a good mother is or what a good parent is or a good employee or, or whatever is like, we have these tapes playing in our heads. We have these standards in our heads and sometimes they keep us from seeing the ways we can actually be most productive, be most successful.
0: I, I'm again, could not agree more. So there's, there's two angles, right? And of course I, I do not, um, take it lightly that i've been blessed with the means to outsource certain things so that that's the one thing the other thing is is um god bless Brene brown so she's here in houston (laughs) at the university of houston and there was a there was a i think it was a podcast or one of her ted talks one of the two where she talks about the story that we tell ourselves and the way that we completely almost sideline ourselves as the heroes in our own story and we minimize and denigrate ourselves over and over again mentally before we've even had the opportunity to shine and it's it's this reflex that I think that we all have and honestly I I think mothers maybe have it the worst right because you kind of look across and you and you you wonder gosh am i doing enough i think it was literally probably 2 weeks ago my husband said you're doing too much, and I said, No, I'm not, because when I look and when I refer to these, you know, these experts and this and that, and he's like, Who are you comparing yourself to? And I was like, Huh? Well, I guess most of the blogs I had been reading about the particular topic that we were talking about were stay-at-home moms, which I am not one. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, You're trying to do something that somebody who's completely dedicated to rearing her children, which you know, again, not something that I feel equipped to do. <laughs> Um, it, But again, it's just a standard that we we put in our minds and the story that we tell ourselves, and we get we get so entrenched in, gosh, what if and how and oh gosh, I don't think I've got the time or the means or this or that. If you've got a, if you've got to carve out and be very diligent about a budget so that things can fall off your plate, or if you've got the other way around, right? If budget's really not your issue, but it's more of just the perception and what are people going to think, just. Get out of get out of your head about it and just um, hopefully get a tribe around you of people who can help to bolster you and encourage you when you're feeling a little bit down on yourself and rely on them for for some of that encouragement and then keep moving along with your head up
1: high. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. And um and yeah, shout out to Brene Brown, because she's she's pretty amazing and has some great messages there. Um, so. I want to understand you said there's all these opportunities and I'm not asking you to give everything away but you you went into workplace lab with the intention of helping more more people in more ways in this specific theme and this you know this space in the working population that is not really being served or may not be served directly through the means that's right in front of them if at all where does this, mm-hmm. where does this go? Like, what's the ultimate place? And I don't just mean like, we're going to add this, or we're going to add that. It's what's the ultimate thing that you're trying to affect? In I'm the trying workplace? to
0: change, I'm trying to change the world.
1: <laughs> so, oh, that's so, okay. Well, thanks for yeah, joining us.
0: Just that. <laughs> no, So. So to, to put put it more succinctly, I want people to have as much information as they possibly can, because information is knowledge and knowledge changes everything. And again, Workplace Lab started off with the simplest of motivations, and that was to equip people with information and key pieces of of how decisions are made at the upper echelons of, of corporate or in business um, that they're not really keyed into because they might not be senior management or senior leaders. Um, give them those pieces of information so they can really navigate with ease and with grace, um, and a little bit of edge through the workplace so that, hey, they don't get trod upon, um, but they also feel like they can contribute and show up and be the best version of themselves. And so quite honestly, you know, hopefully when Workplace Lab is at its peak, it's something that people feel like is a trusted and credible resource to them. Um, you know, they, they feel like It's been useful to them. They feel like they can refer other people to it, and that it's been something that that has almost changed, changed their lives in a tangible way. And and even if it's a small way, even if it's just an iteration of something, it's like, man, you know, that podcast when I heard her talking about whatever it was, whatever dilemma we answered, or, um, you know, your podcast, Brian, or the host of other incredible individuals that we have, um, on the show every week. You know, if we can do that, I would feel immensely immensely blessed and immensely immensely uh grateful um for that but you know obviously there's a lot of other things that we want to do so i did allude to it and we we're we're adding one-on-one con- consultations with me this this year which i'm super excited about um and i think that's going to be really impactful because it's going to change um kind of the 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 flavor and the tenor of some of our our um conversations on the podcast um we're also going to be syncing up with some universities and trying to do some some more corporate engagements as well. So really trying to hit people at every layer, um, wherever they are and however they might need this information. Uh, that's really our mission and our goal.
1: So I was going to push you when you were just saying about um, you know getting the information out there and and empowering it because that's not good enough. But then you went you went the next step and you're talking about empowering people to have a different experience to get to a different place and that you know you, you're joking before about changing the world but actually that's the way that you do it it's you know it's give people information it's empower them to be successful in their own right through their own means because they didn't have the power before so maybe it's a piece of the world maybe it's you know so many <laughs> generations down the road but yeah yeah i mean it, in the simplest of forms that is actually what you're kind of doing
0: it's, it's in, it, hopefully my, my, uh, and no pressure. My, my, I know. Right. But hopefully my energy is, is radiating through the microphone now because it's something that really excites me. And, um, no, do I need my name plastered across, you know, <laughs> uh, the HBR or ink or anything like that? No, not necessarily, but honestly, it's where the rubber meets the road is I want people to feel like they can show up and be the best version of themselves at work and not feel like they're turning off pieces of themselves or trying to leave appendages at the door when they walk into the office. That's, that's not fair. It's not a way to live. And there's so many of us who I think are kind of trudging into the workplace and kind of just saying, okay, here we go. Here's another day. And it doesn't have to be that way.
1: Yeah. I think that, that's a really good point. I think most people don't realize it doesn't have to be that way. It's like, well, you have to work, so it's just that's what it is It's actually possible to enjoy your job.
0: I know it sounds like hippies and unicorns, but you know I think it I think it starts with the mindset, and that's that's why I kind of started there with the information is knowledge piece because the The place that you work at doesn't have to be Google with like free food all the time and a spa and a sauna and a free gym and all these amenities um for you to be happy at work. I think it really starts with a mindset and how it is that you're approaching what it is that you do and why it is that you do it. Um, again, one of my favorites, Simon Sinek and his, his to talk around the why, and he really Mm -hmm. talks about it from the corporate perspective. But I think since then his, his work has really grown about finding your why. And I think if you can start there with why it is that you do what you do, and hopefully the first and only answer is not for the pay, (laughs) because if that's, if that's it, then definitely you have to make a change. Right. But, um, but if you can really hone into why do you do what you do and, um, and and cultivate that then i think i think that's where it starts and i think that's what can help people feel you know incrementally better and and hopefully all that much more excited to to show up at work and be useful and be productive
1: yeah so i took i took that ted talk you did about you know your why and what he's saying is people don't for a company people don't buy what you sell they buy, buy why you sell it and i I flipped that around in one of my ink articles about basically like it, it works for you individually and also your people. So you're not going to buy what you're doing. You're going to buy why you're doing it and buy in this key case, meaning like believe in, understand, accept. So if you're operating in a kind of what manner, like just surface level automaton, you know, you come in like, oh, just have to go through it because of the paycheck because you got bills to pay you're never going to get to a place of happiness with it. You have to be doing something that you understand the reason why you're doing it and that if you go one step beyond that, you actually care about the reason. And if those two things aren't aligned, maybe you can't just quit your job on the spot. I get that. You know, I I was in that spot before when when my wife was sick and I was really unhappy at work. I I knew, like, I can't just walk out. You know, I need to have another job lined up because we got bills to pay and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I knew I needed to start on the path of finding a job that was going to fit with my why. And you can't actually do that. And it may be the current job you have, you just mean, may need some help to understand how to transform it. Mm-hmm. Or it mm-hmm. may mean that you need to be somewhere else where the values of the place align better to you. Mm-hmm. And And we grow and evolve. So our values may change. And maybe it was a good place one time. And Maybe it's the same place and you're not the same person, or maybe the place has changed and you're the same person, or you've both moved in opposite directions. Those are all okay. That's normal. Those are all more than okay. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean they're bad. I mean, maybe they are, but and maybe you are. But it's not a given. Maybe you just need some help in figuring that all out. And I find that so many people, you know, I was saying at the beginning that especially in this this piece of the the career. Uh, life cycle trajectory or, 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 whatever, like place in, in people's career that, that you guys are, are really focused on. I do feel like it's an extremely underserved population and that's where we lose people. You know, that's where, you know, you get great people who kill it on the line and, and they're, you know, they're doing great work and then they get promoted into management or a supervisory role or, or something more senior and, they're just kind of like, oh, well, they were really good at their job. We don't need to do anything for them because they were technically proficient. It's like, well, this is a different <laughs> game. Mistake. Yeah. Um, and then they become bad managers and they become disillusioned and they begrudgingly come to work every day and they're miserable. It's like you missed your opportunity. And by the way, you also lost your best performing, you know, technically proficient person because now you've turned them into an unsupported manager who doesn't understand what they're doing and you left them there. And it's, and, and the more senior people get lots of support and understanding and paychecks and bonuses and career coaching and leadership and executive coaches and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, you're never going to have that, that super leader population again, if you keep hanging people out to dry, unsupported at best right? and afraid at worst in the middle. Right. Right, right.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that was uh, well said, Brian. And honestly, it's, it pains me when um, you hear that, you know, people are being promoted simply because of their technical prowess or their, you know, their competence in whatever functional or technical area that they, they might excel in, because that's not the reason that people should be promoted, right? You don't want your best technical professional to be your supervisor in most cases. And that's, it's really because a lot of times they don't thrive in that environment, right? They don't thrive at the supervisor level and they feel like they would like to go back to being that technical expert because guess what? Your job is no longer about the technical competence and getting things done. It's about delivering through people and working with people. And it feels very cumbersome and administrative at times. And often they become disenfranchised and they just are like, Oh, I'm, this is not what it was cracked up to be. Goodness. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I signed up for. Right. And, and you see it, uh, you see it all the time and
1: it really is unfortunate. Um, and you can't admit it. Right. And right. That, because so, it's
0: like, well, you wanted this, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, I mean, that's another place where you guys can come in is how do you, so if, if you've wound up in that situation, how do you navigate your way back to what you actually want to do? Cause it could be a demotion. It could be, Yeah, and it might mean you need to leave, but I I had that happen with someone on my team who, before I joined, was put in a a very senior management position, and this person had not only no business managing people, no interest in managing people, Mm. and my God, did it show. Wow. And so, you know, the whole team was being killed. And actually, they were very technically proficient in, like, a, a senior line, you know, like really complex situation, but not managing people. And, and it, but, but his ego was really in the way. And mm-hmm. we all knew that's what he actually wanted to do. He always talked about it, but he, we'd never say it explicitly about himself or that he wanted to switch. We were facing a restructuring where he'd have the opportunity. And, and I was sort of trying to tee him up for it and he wouldn't admit it. And. He was actually applying for a job outside to do exactly that. And it was mm-hmm. like, if you just were comfortable saying in this context where people saw you as a manager, that you were going to go back to being a non-manager, mm-hmm. then you could be doing work you love at a company you love. But because, you know, the, the, it's, it's very hard to take a demotion, whether it's real or perceived or you think people are talking behind your back about it. Right. And, that's
0: exactly that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say is it 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 comes across if you're moving from management back to an individual contributor type role, even if it's a subject matter expert role. That's, you know, um, a highly qualified technical expert or something like this. It do, there is this perception that you've you stepped backwards. Mm-hmm. And I really think it's time to change that perception. Right. Because any thriving organization has individuals who are highly paid, highly valued and essential to the organization that don't need direct reports, don't have that's direct right. reports, don't shouldn't have reports, They need to focus on being entrenched in their deep expertise. And just on the same, um, just on the same note, you have individuals who thrive in the managerial um, capacity, or have learned to thrive in the managerial capacity after learning enough about what it takes to get work done. But by no means consider themselves an expert in all of the people in in all the machinations of what it is they manage. Right. Mm. Because you don't need deep technical experts who are managing people, you need people who know just enough about what's going on, how you make money, how you do what you do, how are you being productive, and can see the big picture and can help to eliminate barriers and help to create that cloud cover so that people can be successful without all the ego um, That's what it takes to manage a to manage a successful organization, not a bunch of <laughs> technical experts managing people that that's not good so <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Um, But you're right, the ego can often get in the way um, because it's just that realization of, man, maybe I, maybe I said I wanted this, but now that I'm here, it's, it's not what I, what I was expecting or not what I wanted. And, and I think there's graceful ways to have that conversation without, without it being um, a blemish.
1: Yeah. And what, if, if I can advocate for your services, what I would say is the time to, have those thoughts and, and get some guidance and some help is before you're in that position. So, you know, in, in this same team, I also had two people who were very technically proficient, whose boss was talking about grooming them for future management positions. And I give them a ton of credit for saying, I don't want to manage I just, I want to do what I'm doing and, you know, I can take tougher versions of what I'm doing or you can give me more complex matters to take on, but I don't ever want to manage someone. I'll do training and I'll help with onboarding and I'll mentor someone, but I don't want to be a manager. I want to do this work. And, and their, their manager was a little bit like, can you believe that? And I was like, yeah, that's Fantastic. I'm really mm-hmm. glad that they had the presence of mind and an understanding of what they actually care about and want to do with their time to say it before, just sort of blindly being like, well, the next position's manager. So I have to take that or else I'll never get promoted. It's like, think for a minute first. And sometimes you just, you need some help to do that. And you need to feel brave enough to push back when someone's pushing you in that direction. If you truly believe it's the wrong place for you.
0: hmm Yeah, that's absolutely where career mapping comes in and just taking some time, even if you're blocking 30 minutes on your calendar over the course of a month and just saying, what do I want? What is it that I think that I want to do when I grow up, so to speak? And what is it that I enjoy about what I'm doing today? And what's the sort of the pinnacle of that, right? And to your point, which I think is an excellently made point, you can still contribute and be a leader. As an individual contributor, you can you can help develop people, mentor, coach, counsel, all those sorts of things without having people report directly into you. Informal authority is a powerful thing, right? And it's extremely necessary to get pretty much anything done in yeah. heavily matrixed organizations, which are most big organizations today. Um, and so you don't necessarily need to have direct reports to make an impact and to make help um, more junior employees um, feel valued and help them to develop along the course of their career because it really does take a village. Yeah, they might hardline or report into someone else, but it really does take the team to help foster those those um, behaviors and foster the development and come around um, more junior staff. And you can totally be a part of that without having direct reports. So I think that's that's integral that and career mapping, which I'll reemphasize. Please take time to consider what it is that you want to do. And don't just be a twig in the river saying, wherever the company wants to send me, that's where I'll go. Because you might wake up one day and be completely unhappy, which is not not
1: good. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, We could go on agreeing with ourselves or with (laughs) with each other for the next couple of hours on our path to change the world. Um, But uh, Mm -hmm. you've got an hour benefit over me. It's later where I'm at. Um, <laughs> so I, I think we should call that. Um, but I, I love this. I love the work that you're doing. It is like for people well, who you. don't get it. Th- it really is talking about generational leadership and making sure that we find ourselves in a better place down the road. Certainly than where we may be heading otherwise, but we like parents always want their kids to do better. Like each generation wants the generation after them to do a little bit better we should want that of our leaders too
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we can't do that if we just forget about the next generation before they've even had a chance and that to me is a is a like such a key thing about the work you're doing at workplace lab so i have you know nothing but respect for you and hopes that you do in fact change the world in whatever way shape or form you're you're working on doing that so i'm excited
0: well thanks Brian and I'm'm I'm, I'm cheering for you over here in the bleachers as well um, you know I, I admire what you're doing and I can't say enough good things about uh, the time that you took to be on my podcast and I've really enjoyed our conversation today as well thank you
1: Well, there's there's a lot that we have to do in our careers, and it can be tough sometimes to get through that. But look, it's just every day is a new day.
0: Go out and do it.
1: Do it. Awesome.
0: Yep. Thank yep, you yep. so much. <laughs> You're welcome. My pleasure.
1: Now, Ariana's awesome. I'm so glad I got to have her on the show. It's just, it's great to see that, you know you can have too much on your plate you can be too busy but when you have that sense of purpose when you know that there's something more you're meant to be doing you find a way to get it done you know it seems impossible somehow we make the space for it when it's important enough to us and somehow we survive and you know there's a lot that goes along with that she's got great support at home and um you know as she said like she's able to get help in other ways but She's still doing it, and that's pretty impressive because her work is having a difference. So, if you are interested in what Workplace Lab is all about, you should go check it out. Especially if you're one of those people who's right in that sweet spot in your career, where you're sort of you're past the entry level process, you're not at the senior process yet, and you want to figure out where you go and how you get there, and how do you have the right conversations, and how do you raise your hand in an effective way, how do you invest in yourself, how do you find a mentor, all those key questions to help further your career. So go to workplacelab.org. Remember, it's a nonprofit, so .org. Workplacelab.org to learn more about Workplace Lab and the work that they're doing and the content that they're putting out and the guidance they're putting out to help you. And you can always also go to doadaybook.com and you can learn a ton more there. You can get articles and um, you can get you can get the book, first of all. You can uh, get links to all of my social media and you can also check me out at com. But you should follow Do A Day Book. You should follow at Brian Feltra because I put out a ton of content to try to help you inspire yourself, help you change your own life because you are actually capable of doing that. You are capable of achieving those things you seek. So check it out. All right. I will leave it there. Have an amazing day and go out and do it, everybody. Take care.